This is Three and Five on SLC Management Podcast. Hi, everybody. Thanks again for dialing in to this episode of Three and Five. This is Steve Peacher at SLC Management, and I'm really, really pleased to have with us today Sarah Schwarzschild, who's a managing director and co-head of Bentall Green Oak Strategic Capital Partners business, which is a business that joined Bentall Green Oak almost a year ago, last March in 2021. Sarah, thanks for taking a few moments out of what I know is a busy day. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. So your business invests in other real estate funds, primary investments, secondary investments. Can we start by just, can you just explain the kind of things that you invest in on behalf of your clients? Absolutely. BGO, Strategic Capital Partners, which we call SCP for short, is a global integrated multi-manager platform. So what does that mean? That means that we invest alongside other managers into real estate properties. And we do it on a global basis uh, across the US, across Europe and Asia Pacific as well. And we have three main investment strategies. The first are what we call primaries, and that's making commitments to closed-end fund vehicles managed by other real estate GPs. The second is co-investments. And co-investments is where we're investing into a single property or a pool of properties alongside of a fund manager, but we're going directly into the real estate there. And the last is secondaries. And secondaries is a very broad bucket of opportunities. Some folks think of secondaries as what we would call traditional secondaries, and that's buying a fund interest from another investor. But it also includes other investment types, such as GP-led transactions, which are recapitalizations. It can either be recapitalizing a fund, it can be a pool of assets, or it can be a single asset type. But in any instance, we're investing alongside of another manager and we're real estate specialists. So we do this just in the real estate space. So the pandemic has had a big impact on real estate. And in some cases, that impact has been surprising, but it's obviously offices have been sitting vacant. It's been great for industrial properties retail, probably mixed, but it certainly had an impact. So when you think of the type of investments you just described that you're making on behalf of your clients and the funds you manage, how have those fared through the pandemic? How these, you know, how these investments fared given that the underlying investments are commercial real estate? I think we'll look back and see COVID in many instances as the great accelerator of some trends. And we're seeing that in our space as well. Certainly on real estate secondaries, the emerging trend of GP-led secondaries has been accelerated by the pandemic. Specifically, it's transforming the real estate secondary market from a market that was more transactional, more focused on traditional secondaries acquiring those LP fund stakes, to one that is really broader and more solutions-oriented. The real estate secondary market now has not just these traditional secondaries, But the GP-led transactions that I was just mentioning, recapitalizing an asset or a pool of assets or even an entire fund, and these are more solutions-oriented rather than simply a transaction to acquire a fund stake. So as we think about the market going forward from an investment standpoint, we think it really expands the opportunity set for real estate secondaries. There's about $700 billion of 
net asset value that are locked in closed-end funds. And that's a figure that we roughly calculated just using pre-quin data. We see less than 1% of that trading on the traditional secondary markets. And GP-led secondaries unlock that net asset value that was only able to be accessed when those assets were stabilized and ready for sale. So we think that it's actually expanding the market, not just the real estate secondary market, but the real estate market in general. And real estate secondary is specifically taking a market that was 5 to $7 billion run rate, closer to 10 or more in, into the future. You know, as you highlight, for those who don't follow the sector closely, they wouldn't realize how much it's just exploded over the last few years, whether it's focused on private equity or real estate and, and maybe infrastructure is next, but it's really become a big segment of the market. What are some of the trends that you see going forward, especially in your space that's focused on real estate secondaries? So some of the trends that we see, and I'll, I'll speak to secondaries, and I want to make sure I mention co-investments as well, because we're also seeing trends there. But in secondaries, we are seeing a widespread adoption of these GP-led transactions. They were less than a third of the deals that were done in 2017, and now they're the majority of the transactions that were completed over the last two years. And so we're seeing that adoption from the sponsors, viewing this as a tool to help manage their portfolios. Um, we think that will continue to accelerate and be a really important part of the opportunity set for the real estate secondary space. In co-investments, we're also seeing opportunity there. Fundraising has been challenging over the last couple of years for closed-end funds. I think we can all agree Zoom fundraising is really hard, not being able to see people face-to-face -face, and also more dollars are getting consolidated into bigger managers. At the same time, the wide array of real estate managers are seeing really interesting opportunities on the ground, and they want to be able to action their deal flow. And if they don't have a fund that's raised to be able to do that, or if the deal is too big for where their fund is at the time, they're looking to capitalize those deals outside of their fund via co-invest. So our deal flow is up over 15% just based on this. And I think our GP-centric model is driving further deal flow to our co-investment platform. Well, it's really interesting. And I know that within at SLC, but also in Bintel Green Oak, we are so excited to have your business now in the fold and, we, and it's just going to get bigger and bigger as, as time goes on. Stepping away from this topic, I know you're super busy at work and you've got a bunch of kids at home, but somehow you find time to be a really avid reader. So I think in this environment, we could all use good book recommendations. So I wondered if you had a couple recommendations for those who are listening. Absolutely. I'm a voracious reader. I love to read and I read every day. So if you're listening, I'd also appreciate your recommendations as well. Send them to me. I'm always looking for them. Thinking about what I read recently, I did go pretty deep into fantasy during the pandemic. It was a great escape. But as the flip side to that, one book I'd recommend if you want to understand the pandemic and zoonotic viruses is Spillover. It's absolutely fascinating. I also recently finished Sarah Winman's Still Life. It's epic fiction, and I loved it. If you're looking for a book that's a little bit more fun, I would recommend Being Duchess Goldblatt. It's written by the anonymous person behind the Twitter account that has the same name. She is hysterical. It made me want to join Twitter just to get her tweets. And then if you have kids, Harry Potter, it's a classic, but it's a wonderful series. We read all of the books with my oldest son. And then right when we finished... My younger two kids decided they wanted to hear them too. So we restarted and we're now on book five, but it's, it's really a joy to read with them. And it's, it's amazing to be able to share my love of reading with my kids too. 
Okay, one quick follow-on. Do you like to read books electronically or do you like to actually hold the book, the real, the actual book? I would have said to hold the book. However, I have gotten really attached to my Kindle for a couple of different reasons. One is that I travel a lot and I always want to have my Kindle on me to access it at all times. So it's just really easy to have a slim Kindle in your bag. And the second reason is just one of also practicality. I read so many books that I don't have a place for all of the books if I had to keep the physical one. So I'm, I'm a Kindle advocate. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking the time. I hope everybody's enjoyed that very interesting topic. And that was a great, somewhat eclectic list of book recommendations. So I really like it. So Sarah, thanks for taking the time. And thanks to everyone for listening in again to this session of three and five. Thank you for having me.